We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Light Years, guys. No Steph Curry, no problem. Nice W for the Warriors against the Memphis Grizzlies. Jordan Poole doing his best Steph Curry impression. Andrew Wiggins doing his best Kevin Durant impression. I thought that was an all-around great game for the Warriors. I'm going to bring up Grizzlies blogger and voice Sean Coleman here. Sean, how you doing, man? What an impressive victory for y'all, man. Sam, how are you? Good talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to talk to you. If you guys didn't check it out, I went on Lockdown Grizzlies this morning with Sean and uh, kind of gave a little rundown of what's going on in Warriors World and, you know, kind of our thoughts on this game. Uh, I told you watch out for Jordan Poole. You did. You were exactly correct on that. Uh, I uh, I had to, I didn't really get to dive into the stats or so, but uh, that young gentleman is playing his butt off. And, and, and like, that's the type of – sixth man type production that you need one step is back that will potentially match others in, in a playoff series. If, if, I don't expect for Poole and Wiggins to play like this to combine for 70 plus, you know, going forward. But uh, uh, Jordan Poole's phenomenal. That, 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 if he's just got, to, just, yeah, to, go just to, to add it up, 10 for 15 from the field, three for six from three, 25 points. Um, I don't think you can ask him to play better. He has been out of his mind since he came back from the G league bubble. And, and I do think uh, to your point, um, he might, he might even even end up being better than a six man, but right now um, he looks like a legitimate six man. um, Just the the type of, you know, it looks like he could be a Jordan Clarkson or Lou Williams or one of those type of players at this progression. Right. Yeah. And and the thing about pool is, is that if he's sitting there playing with Damian Lee, and Poole's able to get all around the court and get to the basket and all that. Damian Lee, I think, has been shooting better for y'all this year. I may be wrong, but I've seen his name more. 
he was phenomenal tonight hitting those threes. That's not a bad combo to feature in some of your lineups going forward, I don't think. Yeah, Damian Lee's had a pretty good season for the Warriors. He's at 37.5% from three. He's been yo-yoed in and out of the lineup. but um, And that's mostly because, you know, Steve knows what he's going to get from him. And so he'll, sometimes he'll, he'll be the odd man out in the rotation. But he's, he's just a reliable shooter off the bench. He can shoot the ball. He's smart enough uh, in terms of moving the ball and finding the open man. Uh, he's always in motion. Um, he's he kind of fits the role of a guy you want on like the back half of the bench. Cause you can always trust him when you throw him in. Right. Yeah, no agreed. And coming from a Grizzlies guy, uh, Sean, go ahead. Are you there? I yeah, want to ask you this. What yeah. happened on the, what happened on the Grizzlies end for you guys there? Um, I was a little, like, I did give you the warning shot that, you know, no Steph Curry trap, just the quintessential trap game. And yeah. it seems, seems yeah. like it played that way for you guys. Yeah, uh, no no support from three. Um, we couldn't get anybody really going. Shots were not falling. It just it just wasn't there tonight. The Grizzlies have had a reverse of fortunes this year. When we defend the three well, we don't shoot it well. When we shoot the three okay, we suck defending the three. And tonight we did both, and we just had no answer. Um, and the problem is, is that our depth at wing defense has been phenomenal over the past month. Like, I think that we were coming into this game – you know, overall, like a top five, top six defensive rating, you know, at least, you know, coming into this week. And then now we've gotten scorched by HGA. And then, of course, Wiggins and Poole both beat us. So there was just, we just weren't there to play tonight. That's not taking anything away from y'all. But I think that y'all should take a little, not saying y'all are not, take a bit of pride in this one because we have been playing like a very good defensive team as of late. What's up? I got, I got all my Grizzlies voices here right now. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing good. Do you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You, you sound right. sound clean on your end. So, Sam, the question is this: then this this version of Wiggins, it like I mean, we're, I, I mean, you talked about it earlier today. Him being part of the package to trade for a star, I'm not saying he is that, but I have not seen this type of efficiency and confidence in him as an offensive player after watching him probably ten or fifteen times since he's been in the league. It, it was impressed yeah he's been so we should bring this up he had a great start to the season for the Warriors his January was excellent uh every Warrior fan was able to kind of like strut and like oh the culture changed him uh February he went back to being kind of the player we saw in Minnesota on the offensive end not defensively his defense did actually stay very consistent for a while for most of the season but um uh the 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 jump shot just you know, fell off a cliff in February. And um, he kind of was that guy who would just settle for too too many mid-range jumpers. Since the All-Star break, he's been excellent. Prior to this game, he was average. He was, he was shooting 55% from the field in the four games from the All-Star break. This is only going to help him uh, in terms of those percentages. Like, I don't think he's going to shoot 55% from the field for the rest of the season, because if he does, then we have to start talking about Andrew Wiggins being the best player in the NBA. And um, I, I just don't think you guys are ready for that conversation. Is so, he not the best player in the NBA, Sam? <laughs> you know, uh, tonight he might be. <laughs> uh, he has been playing really well. Uh, Keith, yes. why don't we start here? How are you feeling? Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this game? My initial thoughts on the game a little disappointment because it was an obvious trap game 
but then knowing that the Warriors were right ahead of the Grizzlies in the standings, that you thought maybe they would come out uh, and not uh, be susceptible to the trap. Um, but th- my big takeaway is just the Grizzlies can't hit shots. And when they don't make their three-pointers, which has happened in seven of their last eight games, it becomes incredibly difficult to win. And it affects, I think, every other part of their game where they're normally very good defense, like they lose energy. And then it looks like they don't have energy just because shots aren't going in. So, I mean, a disappointing and discouraging loss, but it all comes back to, for me, just making three-pointers and not being able to, to uh, you know, knock down the looks. Are they a terrible shooting team because none of their guys can shoot or are they just in a funk? Like, is this, I, I mean, all right. Is this a roster construction issue or is this more of like they're in one of those funks? That can't they're, they're currently in one of those funks, but yeah, I mean, it is a roster construction issue. Like they are, they're more, I think like a mid tier three point shooting team. They have no one who can consistently, you know, knock down three pointers outside right. of Grayson Allen and, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. has chosen not to play this year because of health. Uh, it seems like, but Shout out Desmond Bain too. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Desmond Bain, like he can make his shots, but like Grayson and Desmond both kind of take a lot off the table also. So the coaching staff has favored putting them in just because they desperately need shooting. And they're like, well, these guys are the only ones who are going to knock down shots consistently. But right now they are in like a legit, like severe funk. I mean, they were 10 for 42 against the Heat last game, um, which is, you know, outstanding numbers. And and they (laughs) they won somehow. And then I think in their last eight or nine games, they're they're last in the NBA in made threes, last in the NBA in three point percentage. So th- they're in a funk. It isn't as much the roster, while it is, you know, a little bit. What about my guy Dylan Brooks? That guy's never taken a shot he can't make. I mean, we it's, know we know is, he definitely believes every shot's going in. It is true. I haven't looked up the exact numbers. He somehow, when he plays with Grayson Allen, there's a hex put on him, and like <laughs> and like D- Dylan cannot shoot if Grayson Allen is on the court with him. But I mean, yeah, Dylan had an awful game. And when he has a bad shooting game, it affects kind of everything else that he is doing. Um, Dylan's not had an awesome, he's had, I mean, obviously had a terrible shooting year. He's done a lot. I think he's made a lot of growth as far as being a little bit of a playmaker. And he's had a great defensive year, but man, oh man. um, Yeah, the shot has abandoned him. And when it abandons him, it abandons him for long stretches. That's kind of the nature of the league, right? Like yeah. outside of being uniquely special at uh, at other skills, um, if you can't hit a shot, it, this league is just so three-point dependent these days, right? Like if you yeah. can't just hit your shot on some consistent basis, like, uh, you know, even we see it with like on the Warriors side with like Draymond Green, who, uh, you know, one of the best defenders in the league, just phenomenal at every aspect of the game, except for shooting the ball. Even he runs through these issues where I'm just sitting here going, I don't know what you do with him. Because like when, when he goes into like Tony Allen mode on offense for like three weeks in a row, it, it's almost like he takes everything good. He puts on the table off the table. And I, I don't know if that's going to change, but that just kind of feels like it's a direction the league's going. Like if you can't be a scoring threat and particularly a shooting threat, um, you run into severe limitations. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that the Grizzlies have really focused that they want to be able to find more and more shooters and they've struggled. And I think they're going to probably not find any this year either. Cause I don't think they're going to do anything before the trade deadline. Like I think this is just going to be the roster 
going right. forward. And, uh, you know, maybe in the off season, it'll be a time if they consolidate their number of like pretty good dudes to try to find a guy who can knock down a bunch of buckets. Let me ask you this. So um, I, I'm assuming you haven't watched a lot of Jordan Poole and, and Kayvon Looney and, and the, 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 the cast of characters we got tonight. So give me your <laughs> outsiders. Well, I'm, I'm laughing on, on Jordan Poole here. Well, I'm laughing because on Fast Break Breakfast last year, I did I did a rookie rankings almost every week. And I right. rank like the top 10 rookies. And I was always and still in dead last Jordan Poole. He's the worst player I've ever seen. And so like that was a running joke on Fast Break Breakfast all of last season. So death by this Jordan is, Poole. This is why he cool. went off against Memphis. Like yeah. someone yeah. told him, he's like, hey, there's a guy in Memphis who really talks shit about you. That's right. So. That, well, I mean, he's been, I mean, Poole's been cooking, um, you know, in the last, you obviously know. A couple I mean, weeks, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do see a good bit of Warriors games because they're on late and, uh, you know, I'm normally able to watch TV then. And so I do watch a good bit of them. And I mean, he, he's been coming on strong and I was pretty sure he'd have a big game tonight, but I mean, 10 for 15, you know, shooting combined with Wiggins 40 piece. That's just cruel. I mean, that's just, it's, it's cruel and unusual. Which is the crueler part getting 40 piece by Andrew Wiggins, uh, NBA Twitter spheres, favorite player to like hold up as the worst contract on earth or Jordan Poole, who you called the worst rookie ever last year. It's true. It's and true. now he, and now, I mean, I don't know, maybe they should trade Stephen. I think, and I think technically he might have actually been the worst rookie ever. So I don't know if I was totally <laughs> wrong. I don't know if I was completely wrong. He, I mean, he had one of the worst, like first two month stretches I've ever seen a player who consistently is in the rotation half. There's no other way around that. He, he might've had the worst real plus minus since Terry Rozier's rookie year or something like that. Ugh. But no, it's, it's hard to pick. I mean, it is comical to say, you know, Wiggins and Poole went for 65 on like 65% shooting. Like that's on that's under 30 cool. shots. They are under yeah. 40 shots. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it, just a great game from Wiggins. You know, Wiggins obviously not concerned about the luxury tax issues he causes. Uh, went up there, played free, didn't have he to just, worry about getting he just looks shots. At, he just looks at Joe on the sideline and goes, That's your problem, not mine. That's right. That's right. That's uh, definitely your problem. No, I mean, I mean, it's a tough game, you know, and I think the, I mean, I guess like, I don't love the Grizzlies starting lineup. I feel like the problems start there. It kind of puts them, you know, at a disadvantage. It puts them in the hole. And this, this lineup that they use, they obviously use Grayson Allen to try to space the court. And then Dylan Brooks is, I, I wouldn't start anybody else. I would still start Dylan, but it had some success early in the year, getting up on big leads. And I feel like because of that, they're like, this is something we should keep doing. And I feel like it was always due to fall apart and it's kind of fallen apart the last couple of games. I think the strength of this Grizzlies team is their depth. Like they don't have high end talent. They have a lot of depth. And so other than Ja, yeah. Yeah. And so like, well, I mean, yes, other games, Ja has high end talent, not, not as much tonight, but the, uh, their depth helps them and normally when their bench comes in the bench goes on a run and it's gotten frustrating when you know like you see the starters falling behind again falling behind again and, and maybe it is just the fact that you know they lose the three-point battle night after night which is affecting kind of that perception that i'm having well, you're just you're just a math hole right like, it is a math it's, yeah yeah it, it's something that uh andy and i andy's still on vacation for the warrior fans who are asking he will be back on sunday um it's something we've been kind of frustrated with because you'll see games where Steve Kerr won't play Damian Lee or Michael Mulder or Jordan Poole 
all three of which are legitimate shooting threats. Um, and it, it feels like they lose games because the other team hit 16 threes and they hit 12, eight of which will Steph hit. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I just feel like that's the direction the league is going. Like if you can't keep pace from the three point line, almost nothing else matters. Like that's like the prerequisite. Like you got to match the other team from the three point line. And then we worry about everything else. And so the Grizzlies are a unique team in the NBA in that they do all their damage basically in the paint. They just ended right. their NBA record streak of, Oh, I can't remember now. Was it 40 points in the paint in, in like 80 straight games or something. So like they are so efficient at their scoring that they've been able to get by with a lower three point volume. But when the shot, totally abandons you as it has for the Grizzlies the past, you know, two weeks, then you get, it is the math problem. You can't, you can't overcome the math. Yeah. I mean, it, it just is what it is. If you're giving up, if you're giving a team 10 free points, like it's, it's very hard to come back from that. Um, I wanted to ask you this. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the standings right now. Spurs are seven. Mavericks are eight, Warriors are nine, Grizzlies are 10. And then we have a little bit of a gap, but the Pelicans are still alive at the 11 seed. I'm going to just take a wild guess. Like, I don't think any of these teams are going to get into the top six. So this is kind of our playing group, right? Like we're, we're fine with this. Like um, as much as I think Portland and Denver are overrated as like their total upside, like they're going to continue to generate wins at a rate that the teams below them probably won't be able to. Um, are you concerned about the Grizzlies' ability to hold off the Pelicans? I, how do you look at that group? How do you feel about this whole situation? I mean, specifically the Pelicans, the Grizzlies get destroyed by them every single time they play them. Mm-hmm. My, my joke is the curse of a Grizzlies fan is to always lose to the Pelicans, but always be ahead of them in the standings. And I'm learning to live with it. Like I've learned to accept that that is our plight. But you, you lose to them, but then you beat the uh, yeah, yeah. You beat the Rockets, and they find ways to lose to like right, the right. I mean, I, I was truthfully relieved to see that huge Pelicans collapse against the Blazers the other night because you just keep the Pelicans away from the Grizzlies. I feel okay with how they'll play against everybody else. No, I, I think you're right. Like, I don't think we're going to see a shakeup. I mean, I think this is going to be the play-in, and. It's going to be wild. I mean, as a gr- where the Grizzlies are, like in their rebuild cycle, like it's kind of a icing on the cake sort of thing where if we make it into the playoffs, that's super fun. But if, also if we end up at the back end of the lottery, that works for us. And with these one game play-ins, which I kind of think is a ridiculous setup that the league has created, um, it, it's going to be incredibly dramatic. And uh, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, are, are you excited, nervous about it? Because it seems like the Warriors are you know, kind of stuck that that's their plight this season. So the war for me, it's the best of both worlds for the Warriors because okay. their pick is top 20 protected for the right. Kelly Oubre trade and anything to avoid giving away a first round pick for a player. You're probably not going to keep, or you may not keep who knows. Um, but as long, if they're in the seven, eight range, that pick's going to, it's going to be a Warriors pick, right? So you have to worry about that. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm trying to figure out what matchup I would really want the Warriors to have. Like, I, I think you want the Mavericks to exceed the, the Spurs, I guess, um, if you're the Warriors here. But it, it's hard to say. Like, I feel Steph, Steph is the best player of any of the teams who are in the 
seven to 10 range. So all it really takes is him going nuts for a game and you feel pretty good about your chances. It's so weird for the Grizzlies, you know, who have, I mean, like the Grizzlies and the Spurs are the people who don't really, I feel like the NBA wouldn't want to see advance. Like if the four teams in the play-in, if it's Luka Doncic and Steph Curry, and then the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Kelvin Johnson versus Dylan Brooks. Let's they're, go. The, the Tim Donahue conspiracy ref, you know, troops are going to be out uh, watching every call that is made. Right. Um, you know, for, for these games, like you're telling me there's a one game playoff and we're and it might be, I don't know, like the first round could be LeBron versus Steph or LeBron versus the, the Grizzlies. I don't think the league is going to be very happy if the Grizzlies pull this one game upset. Um, but it's going to, I mean, yeah. Have they even, have, I guess they have said that the, uh, the higher seed will have a home game. Has that been officially announced? Nothing is official because Adam Silver has uh, used the we're going to, you know, everything's fluid in this pandemic cycle. But right. like the, the most recent thing is, yes, seven versus eight will play each other. And the loser of that will play the winner of nine versus 10. I, I just think the home court is such a big thing. I already think it's such a massive disadvantage. Like right now, if is it, you know, is it a big thing if there's no fans? Like I, I think the Warriors, the Warriors have been politicking. They think they can get a 20% capacity by May. Like they think that will be approved, but like, I mean, we don't need to take this into California politics, but like, <laughs> obviously it's a, uh, right. Um, currently there are no fans allowed in any indoor venues and I don't anticipate them moving um, super fast on changing that. So, so my concern as a Grizzlies fan, if the standings hold and you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I feel the most confident about the Mavericks among this group of teams of Spurs, Mavericks, Warriors, and Grizzlies. Do you like that matchup the best for the Grizz? Uh, I like the Spurs matchup. I mean, honestly, okay. um, but like right now, if the matchup's held, the Grizzlies finish their regular season with five games in seven nights. And then the Grizzlies would have to fly to Golden State. I see where you're going with this. You okay. know, so they'd have to travel cross country. You think there'll be a little more time. To play, to play one game. And that seems like a big disadvantage. The Spurs are in the same situation where they finish their season with five games in seven nights as well. But, you know, right now they just play the Mavericks. That's no one's going to get too much. We don't give Silver enough credit. He's like, all right, I need. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Need to make sure we get Steph and Luca into the playoffs. Uh, so let's uh, make no, sure. We've, I've already been there, Sam. I've already, we've, already, <laughs> we've already had this conspiracy theory. Like, they do not want the Spurs or Grizzlies to advance. Like, look at the schedules. You're telling me yeah. this is 
out of an abundance of caution and with the health and safety of, of our players just in mind. Arena dates are booked. We had to have the Grizzlies play eight right. days in a row. Yeah, that's, that's all. That's the only right. way it goes. Celine Dion's come to the FedEx Forum. We had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're really going to kick the queen of Canada off? Come on. <laughs> Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash light years now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash light years and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash LightYears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. All right, well, let's get some people up here. Let's see, what, let's see what the fans have to say. Hey, Gavin, what's going on right now? Nothing much. How y'all doing? Good. good. What you got for us? So about question, I have a question about the way we play because – we saw the night with without Steph in the lineup, they were more on ball. Like Jordan Poole was more on ball, Andrew Wiggins was more on ball. And my question is, like, why don't why do you think they don't play this way when Steph is on the court? That is a great question, Keith. I'll take this one and I'll get your impression on it. Um, so I was noticing during the game there was a, a sentiment of, oh, we're running a lot more pick and roll and drive and kick, which all the fans have been opining for all year i keith i'm just going to tell you right now watching andrew wiggins or kelly Oubre try to make the reads that andre Godala makes does not work out <laughs> the way you would expect on a consistent basis um i think it was legitimately because they were they were short manned and i think you know it's a fair question a lot of the off-ball stuff they run is because steph is uniquely amazing at it and it's always a question of does the coaching staff like to do it or does Steph like it more? And is that why they don't adapt? Because tonight they ran more of kind of the offense you see most teams in the NBA run, which is just like a series of drag screens and pick and roll and a lot of drive and kick. And uh, it worked out wonderful for them. Uh, and they just don't do that too much with Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was, that's why I was thinking. Cause you know, when Steph is playing, it's just, it's just he gives the ball up and he just runs around the whole possession. Sometimes he just won't touch the ball again because he's just running around. And I just think, you know, if he was more on ball in some possessions, we have a better chance of scoring or getting something out of it. I agree with you. I appreciate you, Gavin. Yeah, it's like, um, I, I don't know, Keith, you, you watch the words from afar. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that off-ball movement and kind of Steph's relocation is probably the most definable tactical thing that they do, right? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, like Ubre and Wiggins aren't your ideal pieces. They're just kind of the best pieces in the situation the Warriors found themselves, you know, to, right. to, per, to put around Steph. And so maybe a game like tonight where Steph's not there and it's like, Wiggins, go do your thing. 
Like you, tonight, you are my, Michael Jordan. Uh, go, go get it. And Maple uh, Jordan, baby. Yeah, he, he is the Maple Jordan. And tonight, you know, when he makes fourteen of twenty-four, as opposed to like if he only made ten out of twenty-four, we might have had a ball game or nine out of twenty-four. So it might have just been the randomness of him making his shots tonight. It wasn't as missed, and you know, with Jordan Poole going off too. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. It is a good question. Like, like, could is there a way to optimize Wiggins more and get more out of Poole? Um, you know, when Steph's also out there doing his thing. Is there a way to do both, right? right. That's, that's what we keep coming back on because it's like I understand the desire to do uh, a lot of the off-ball stuff because, one, it's really hard to guard. Two, Steph is amazing at it. And no one else in the NBA is that good at it. Um, and uh, three, it's unpredictable. Like, you just don't play teams who do. Like, tomorrow, I don't who do the Grizzlies have next? Their schedule we, we play you guys tomorrow. You know, I mean, after that. Oh, after that. Uh, what a great question. I don't know. All right. Well, the Warriors play the Philadelphia 76ers. Then they play the Sacramento Kings and the Atlanta Hawks. None of those teams are doing like they're all running kind of variations of the same traditional NBA offense. Right. Um, so I do think there's an advantage to the Warriors using Steph off ball in ways that like it's just it's just unpredictable. But you're also seeing like when, when they play a little more traditional like this, it's maybe a little easier for a guy like Wigan or, or Jordan Poole, right? So, yeah, it could be the Grizzlies play the Celtics on Monday. Good. We get a team that's struggling. That's good to, good to have them coming in. Nice. <laughs> hey, Ricky, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm wonderful. What do you have for us? All right. So same opponent tomorrow. Um, is it, it, tomorrow feels like that kind of game where it might be a letdown game. Um, you're playing the back end of a back-to-back. You know, the Grizzlies, you know, they might be mad. Um, they might even show up. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> they might so, choose to play. <laughs> so should we expect the Warriors to have a bit more of a letdown game, you know, a little bit closer, or maybe the Grizzlies just completely destroy them in the second time? Here's how I feel, Ricky. I appreciate the question. Um, if you told me the Warriors were going to split in Memphis with no Steph Curry, I would take it any night of the week. I don't know how Keith feels about this, but um, no, that's if, exactly- I told, if you if I told you, give me the Grizzly perspective. If I told you no Steph Curry, um, no James Wiseman, no Eric Pascal, I don't know if that basically no Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of, I kind of wish Wiseman was playing. I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> No, I, you, you have the right perspective. I mean, getting the split for the Warriors is huge. It's all gravy from here. I, I mean, as a Grizzlies fan, if if the Grizzlies get swept by, by the Curryless Warriors, that's just devastating. I mean, on your home court, um, you know, they, they have been, the Grizzlies have been playing, I mean, they've been up and down. Like, their shooting has been totally off, but they've, they've also been, like, the top defensive team in the NBA um, over the past 10 games. So I, there's no so like, on it. Yeah. You know, it, it was surprising that the Warriors just lit them up because you were like, there's no Steph we should be able to guard these guys. We have the bodies. We have the switchable wings like Dylan Brooks and DeAnthony Melson and Kyle Anderson and Justice Winslow. They can shut people down. And the Grizzlies have been good at doing that. Like they've had, you know, a bunch of like Jamal Murray came in and, and couldn't score. And like, they did a good job, basically a good job against the heat, but to, to get destroyed again by a, uh, you know, Wiggins and Poole to have that. If they lose again tomorrow night, that is then we're like a truly depressed fan base of, really not taking care of business um, in a, in, again, in a, in a playoff chase. I mean, trying to not have to fly cross country for the play in and uh, you know, maybe have the seven or eight seed would be much, much better. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's the thing. Are you guys trying to make the playoffs or is this a you're still long view type of thing? I mean, I feel like it gets missed in the whole equation of things, you know. Yeah. Jaron Jackson's a pretty damn good player and you guys have been without him all year. Right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of thought that Jaron Jackson Jr. would fix a a lot of the problems. And there's great optimism that in the three games he played in the bubble, he looked like he'd taken a mini leap from the regular season last year. And then there was the COVID break and then the bubble, he like busted out all these new moves off the dribble. And if you add that with a guy who basically has the same, I mean, he has like the same shooting splits as Steph Curry's. Like if you've ever checked them out, he's basically 10 threes per game, four makes the the last, last year. So definitely shoot the ball. Like actually one of the things that was frustrating for me is I wanted to see him and Wiseman play uh, just so I could juxtapose. Like that is what I would like James Wiseman to do in many ways. Um, yeah. and maybe we should, maybe, maybe we shouldn't yell at him anytime he thinks to shoot the ball from outside of 10 feet. But anyway, um, no, it's, know, it's, it's, neither it's, one of them are playing right now. And right, know, right. Jaren, Jaren hasn't played in a long time. So as far as the, are they trying to make the playoffs or it's the long view? It's just the long view. I mean, like they, it's both, they, they want to make the playoffs, but they're not going to trade a pick to get Harrison Barnes. You know, they're not going to trade a pick to get Evan. So, not all not all in to get James. Right, Jay, right, right. Jada, they're, um, eight. Yeah, yeah. They're, I think they're, they're definitely taking the long view. They want to see what they have. And it's also tough because without Jaron Jackson Jr. playing, it's harder to evaluate. Like, you want to know, does Justice Winslow fit with these guys? Um, he started off, you know, kind of rocky, then had a really good, like, five-game stretch. Now, the last couple of games, he's been... Uh, kind of mediocre to bad. So it's an analysis season for the Grizzlies, but they have enough talent right now where conveniently they're good enough to make a push for the play in. And I don't think they're going to do anything to short circuit that. Like they're not going to sell off pieces. I'd be surprised like if they traded away Kyle Anderson for a couple second round picks or like Jonas right, for right. a couple seconds. Like, I don't think they're, they're not going to be sellers. They're not going to be buyers. They'll probably try to move Gorgie Jang to see if they can match salary and get back a second round pick or something. And if not, they'll probably buy Gorgie out, but no, they're, they're all about the long view this season while also hoping what they have is good enough to compete. Fair enough. All right, Francis, sorry, I brought you on and then we're in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Uh, yeah, so, I was on the other day and I said something about Jordan Poole in the chat one nuts, like negative Nancy and everyone to be. Warrior fans, Warrior fans got dramatic. Shocking. I know exactly. It was slander. It was Ethan Strauss slander and his take on Jordan Poole. Not, I mean, this is, I am the number one Ethan Strauss slander. So, okay. I'm number two. (laughs) Uh, So, so like Keith was saying like uh, an interesting point about Wiggins and like, what does it actually, what does this game mean for him? And what do you think, uh, like, was unlocked for him to get 40 tonight? Man, if you can figure out what got <laughs> unlocked for Andrew Wiggins, you can charge an NBA team a lot of money. I know. That's April all. Jordan was in full effect. Like, <laughs> what, what's, you know, was it food down in Memphis? Like, what was going on? Oh, it could be. Did anybody check the post game? I didn't see what he's had. A lot of guys are having a post game. They're bringing in like lemon pepper wings for the post game interviews. Uh, I, I didn't tune in. I mean, you guys do have phenomenal food. Um, yeah. So, so I'll give you, I'll give you that. Um, it's just, it would just be rude of me to, to argue. So, <laughs> no, I mean, we're not, not to be flippant, but like Sam said, I mean, I don't, you know, we don't know what makes NBA players go off random nights. I mean, they're, they're really good at basketball. Uh, the best ones do it more frequently. And so, yeah, I mean, Wiggins has these 
I don't know how frequently are the Wiggins explosions. So like once to to a season of like a 40 point ish type explosion. Sounds about right. Like I I've said that I said this on the last locker room and the last podcast, but like the thing that's impressed me about Wiggins this year is the defense has been consistent mm-hmm. offensively. Not a lot has changed. His jump shot has, he's hitting it. He's hitting the three at a higher rate this year, but like in general, he's, I don't think there's anyone who's going to coach out his desire to take jump shots versus take it to the rack. Like it's just, it's ingrained in him. And so certain nights like tonight, um, he's hitting those shots at a, at a much higher clip. And then other nights, you know, he's hitting it maybe at a lower clip than his percentages. And you end up with like a six for 17 type of shooting. Right. So I, I just think that's who he is. He's, he doesn't like he doesn't like contact. My my one take on him is he just hates playing through contact. He's not going to do the Russell Westbrook and like my jumper is not falling. I'm going to take it to the rim every time, even though he has the athleticism to do is it. Is it is it is it just because he's like a mediocre foul shooter and he just does he feel shame? He feels shame that he's like a seventy five percent foul shooter or whatever he is. I mean, maybe it's funny. There were the the Warriors were talking about him as like Iguodala in terms of like Swiss Army night, and I was like, oh, well, the only thing he has in similarity to Iguodala is like declining free throw percentage every year. So I don't I don't know, but it's like I just just watching him, he does love to give you the pump fake and the fadeaway, like instead of going through contact, and that's just I think it's just who he is. So. I've made peace with it. My my perspective on Wiggins is as long as he's not going to take like 25 shots a game and as long as he defends, I'll live with the fact that like he's probably going to be a wax and wane player on offense because he doesn't want to get to the line 10 times a game and he's not a good enough shooter to, you know, hit five, six threes on a consistent basis. As long as the defense is there, I'll, I'll live with it. Right. Like I said, luxury tax, that's Joe's problem, not mine. <laughs> All right, let's get let's let's keep this moving. All right, we got Saeed. What's, What's up, going man? on, brother? What's going on? I gotta say, man, today Draymond Green, man, I love it when he's when he's loud and you can hear him on the TV. I <laughs> wish he played like that against the Lakers, but man, it really, really. Well, you can't. Me you, you, I mean, you can't yell at your boss. Come on. Yeah, Draymond is Draymond is was unbelievable tonight. The guy was flying. Uh, yeah, he didn't score, sure, but man, if we get Draymond like that, what do you think? Are we going to get Draymond like that for the rest of the season and just a coast game during the Lakers and that's it? Then we got the Lakers one more time. Um, you will get a coast game for the Lakers, that I guarantee you. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like so Draymond has a history of playing well while scoring no baskets versus the Grizzlies. Like of all teams, he loves to give you like 13 assists and two points against the Grizzlies. That's his thing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe but the just, best was when he was when he was yelling when Wiggins was making his threes yeah. and all these guys. You're just hearing it on the TV. He was mad. he was so mad about the foul call that got challenged. He was I could hear that on whatever the the Fox Sports South broadcast here in Tennessee. He was he was Keith, yelling. It was great. Keith, let me ask you this: uh, yeah. what, what are your impressions on Draymond Green now? Because like it's been a talking point in the Bay Area. Um, he's obviously not the same player he was five years ago. Um, particularly on the offensive end, but he's still a useful, impactful player. So, so what are you seeing? What, what are your impressions on? He's a guy I love watching. I mean, I have like a real soft spot for guys who can't score. 
And uh, like, despite all the stuff we were talking about earlier, where the league's gotten to the point where like, if you can't hit a three, you have a very limited role and there's a very small window for you to contribute. But like him doing what he did tonight, where he has a double double scoring. I adore that. Like that, that just, that gives me a lot of joy. And, you know, he's a unique guy that I don't know how he would fit on a lot of teams. I feel like, you know, he he could certainly do the same magic um, on like very specific teams. But if you just put him on like a, generally i don't know like like, well like i'm trying to think like like if he was on i'm trying to think of the perfect like what's the most blah team is just like the pistons like if he was swapped onto the pistons like would it be awesome or would it be terrible i don't know like it's one of those experiments but i I would actually love to see um but i still think he he has enough in the tank to compete you know for um I guess next year is the hope. Like, I don't even know what the, what are Warriors fans mindsets right now? Like is the dream next year with, with a healthy clay and then Steph. The, the dream like, is, you know, hopefully Wiseman's better next year. Uh, oh, they've, oh, yeah. not, they've not done a wonderful job in year one. Um, and then hopefully clay Thompson's healthy and hopefully they make some moves around the margins. And then, you know, they, they could be in the mix. They can compete for a title potentially. Yeah, that I is guess what the, the hope. That is well, what I hope would is. say the dream. There's I, a lot of balls in the, the air. The dream is the is the Minnesota pick. Uh, yes. Landon, what is land, Landon four, uh, picking four from Minnesota, and then a if David play. Stern yeah. was still the GM. I would feel very confident that happens. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, Adam Silver can prove his worth to me this offseason. That's right. That's right. I'm making it happen. I will. I will never. I will never slander him again if he if he brings us through. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I think I think Silver should tell um, you know, like like uh, oh who's the who's the Timberwolves owner who, who keeps saying he's gonna sell? Glenn Taylor. Yeah, if Glenn Taylor yeah, if Glenn Taylor sells, I think Adam Silver should be like, listen, you sell, we'll get we'll get you top three. We'll we'll take care of it. You'll keep oh, so it. leverage thing and then Joe's yeah. gotta hit him up with some Joe's like <laughs> if you want the, if you want more of that local TV revenue split, you'll make sure it's four. That's right. That's, that's, right. that's what we're getting here. That's what so we get a real auction. We get we get like full like Sopranos old school style. Like who makes the best offer? That's right. There we go. All right. Last question of the night, Keith. I appreciate you coming on, but let's see. Jamil, what's up, my man? Uh, all I wanted to ask is that, like, why when Steph is there, we don't play like this? <laughs> <laughs> like he has to run off like a million screens for for a loony um, layup and he can't even make it. I'm with you, man. I, I think about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this, Keith. Let's let's learn about this. So like I, yeah. you've now got the impression Warrior fans are wondering why it takes like Steph going down for them to adjust the offense. Give me your outsider not watching every Warrior game living yeah. and dying by every Brad Wanamaker substitution pattern. Like, give me uh, your what you're seeing with this team, and kind of you know maybe 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 you make us more level headed, maybe not. Yeah, my take from the Warriors, you know, outside of tonight's game, was you don't have the guys on the team who know how to make each other better. You don't have guys who know how to um, like it isn't their first instinct to keep the ball moving. I mean, obviously, there's Draymond Green. But like I see the mo- the guys who get the ball the most. Besides that, like I mean, Wiseman's still learning. Eric Pascal makes basically creates for himself. Ubre and Wiggins. I think their first instinct on offense is to say, "Is this a good shot? Now, sh- yeah. now, sh- now, should I attack and score?" And then if those things are turned down, then they're like, "Oh, I should pass." So it's not first nature for them. And so I think the pieces 
from my outsider perspective, just the pieces aren't a perfect fit. And so tonight you see these guys go off without Steph Curry. My official takeaway is it means nothing. It's an NBA game. Uh, you know, it's just a one, one out of 82 or one out of 70 uh, two. And this, and you know, the guys went off tonight. They made their shots. The Grizzlies were a little lackluster. They couldn't make their shots and thus the energy didn't translate on the defense. So I don't mean to skirt the question, but my takeaway is like, it's just the randomness of the NBA. I don't think it has much to say about Steph Curry not being there. Maybe it was Ewing theory. Uh, shout out Bill Simmons for when your best player doesn't play, everybody else steps up. I mean, I don't know. I like, do, do, do you, you think, think it means anything? No, I don't think it means anything other than, I think we're trying to figure out where the Warriors go from here. Yeah. And until you have Clay Thompson back and kind of properly assess who he is as a player post-injury, whether he's 90% of the player he was or 60%, like those are different. They mean different things in terms of team building, right? Like mm-hmm. I think he's going to be effective one way or another, but like the question ultimately is like, how effective will he be? Like there's zero part of me that's worried about his ability to shoot the ball. It's about the other things he does. And like, yeah, if he can't defend when he comes back, like that changes what you have to consider when you're building a team. Right. Um, If you can't play 35 minutes a game, that changes. But like, these are all, so it feels weird that the Warriors are in a holding pattern when we watch Steph Curry still play at that level on an every night basis. Like I, I still, think he's as good as he's ever been as a basketball player. He's just playing with a team that's depleted and not talented. Yeah. And you know, I, I do feel like again, broad sense, general NBA guy, I do feel like there is a question for like the coaching staff. Like, have they not been able to utilize Steph more? Cause it seems like with how Steph is playing, they should be a little bit better. And I don't know if, they're trying too much to do like an egalitarian thing where they, they spread the ball around. And when you have guys who aren't good at uh, spreading it back, you know, of like throwing right. It right back, should they be doing things differently? Should they just run straight pick and rolls a lot, you know, or something and just run that over and over and over. And it kind of seems like maybe, but again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a casual warriors observer. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Cause it's like, it's hard to determine if, their scheme has quote unquote been figured out or they're just not good players. Right. Yeah. And th- and that's kind of what we go back on every, every episode, because unlike the Grizzlies, I mean, what John Moran's what? 20. Is he 21 yet? Yeah. He's a, uh, is he 21? No, he's 20. He's 20. The, the point stands. Yes. And uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is in that same age range. So uh, like, he is 21. Yeah, they're both 21. Neither of them have reached that point where it's like, well, we got to make a decision soon on which direction we're going. And uh, with the Warriors, it's more like Steph Curry, legend, most famous, like favorite player of all time history of his fan base, still playing at that level. And this team is weirdly awful at, as he's still in his prime. So it's trying to figure out what you do from there. And I think more than anything, that is what Warrior fans are trying to figure out is where do we go from here? Because it would really suck if Steph Curry, you know, spent the rest of his prime on this team that's like kind of fun, but like not actually contending for anything. Well, I, I would tell you where do we go from here? Most important thing, Sam, is for the Warriors to be terrible in 2024 when your draft <laughs> when your draft that. pick 
comes to Memphis. So as long as you can be terrible in 2024. You're you're doing this wrong. You should be actively encouraging Warrior fans to want to go all in on short-sighted trades. No, I, you know, absolutely. No, I, I would love it. You guys, I mean, trade, you, trade out Wolves, you know what, man, I think, fun. I think Fournier would really help the squad this year. <laughs> Maybe win around like Steph's not going to be there forever. Maybe go ahead and trade something. Maybe trade one of those future picks. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's definitely optimize the next two seasons and try to bottom out right at 2024. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, I think we should end it here. All right, Keith, I appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, just check out Grits and Grinds if you're a Grizzlies fan and Fast Break Breakfast for all other uh, NBA podcast entertainment. All right, later, guys. <laughs>